Welcome back to another episode of the Best Minutes Podcast, where each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1946 William Wyler-directed film, The Best Years of Our Lives, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm Brian Lockhart from the Marine Corps Movie Minute. And I'm Jack. Also from the Marine Corps Movie Minute. (laughs) (laughs) And today we have reached minute 146. So 146, well, let's see, where, where does this 146 begin? Right after 145. That is correct. We know our numbers. We put our crayons together and we were able to uh, count them all up. As we've kind of noted this whole time of recording since last week, we've pretty much been in one or two rooms, but it's just with the same two characters this whole time. So it literally picks up right from where it last left off. Yeah. I say it begins with a staring contest. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. Yeah, this was a little bit, it, it uh, the minute was a little bit more somber because you really kind of get to understand like what this guy goes through. Things that you wouldn't normally think of. Yeah, he really covers that at the end of the minute of like how helpless he is right. now that he doesn't have his hands on. Yeah, because when, when he's got the hook hands, it's like, yeah, you notice the hook hands, but he's still able to do stuff. And then he goes on and says the stuff that he can't do. And you, it's it's sobering. Yeah, yeah. I, I found it funny that I just through the sheer luck, literally luck of the draw, that you know the two goofballs ended up with probably the most serious scene in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these guys, the two guys, like take nothing serious. <laughs> literally end with like the you know we 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 cover probably some of the heaviest stuff and most down earth and realistic stuff that that happens as a result of combat and like you said it's sobering it's it's punishment it feels like punishment because <laughs> now you they, they find out what real complete degenerate ass say what we are we're like oh no look at him he can't get into his jammies <laughs> it's like no <laughs> oh oh <laughs> first off this is pretty typical of marines but especially just us as people yeah. <laughs> what joke about things you're not supposed to joke about. So yeah. Oh no, <laughs> I mean, no, I, I take a different approach. You're absolutely supposed to joke about those things. You take the you take the fire out of them. It doesn't make them any less serious. You just you know. Yeah, because I, I I mean I re, I mean I've always been that way, you know, the kind of yeah. guy that laughs at a funeral, you know, I tell you know, the cool yeah. ladies. <laughs> but but stuff like that, but I re, I remember several times in boot camp, you know, when you're supposed to keep your composure. Mm. and you just know you're about to get thrashed you know oh, yeah. something bad is coming and you just can't help but laugh in yeah. the face of you know whatever doom, it is basically yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like oh this is gonna suck might as well just enjoy what we can <laughs> yeah i i remember you know specifically an instance where the senior drill instructor was there in the morning for some reason like woke us up and you knew something happened at night just by the yeah. way he was treating us immediately. Some Firewatch messed up somehow, and we were all yeah. about to pay for it. Even if they didn't mess up. Well, right, right. But he was <laughs> legit mad. Like, you could tell. Like, you know, because the senior's a little bit less, you know, crazy like that. And next thing I know, we're all running out to the pit when we're not even dressed yet. <laughs> the whole time we're going down, we're like, uh-oh, we're in for it now. He's mad, you know, there's stuff like that. <laughs> you know, we're laughing about it. We weren't laughing when we were in the pit. <laughs> <laughs> but when we got out, we we're like, man, what was that all about? You know, <laughs> back to laughing, you know, yeah, <laughs> or or as much laughing as you can get away with while in boot camp. Yeah, yeah, they really, it's it's weird, man. It's a weird thing that they try and do. They try and make you laugh. There's some stuff that they do that they they, they even the DIs know it's funny. Oh yeah, but the whole point is just to try to keep you from doing it. And if they catch you doing it, oh, it's your ass. Say what? <laughs> 
I mean, this is a totally separate conversation, but I, I, I had a, uh, a new DI that picked up the last couple of weeks of boot camp. He, he had mm-hmm. just graduated from DI school, so they assigned him to us. <laughs> he actually spent a week with us while he was training. He was a corporal at the time, and he made sergeant, and he came over, and he, you know, he, he was basically practicing his shtick on my bunkmate and I. Because my bunkmate, <laughs> yeah, like he, my bunkmate could not keep a straight face at the he's, time. And he he's got a, co- a comedian's journal, and he's like, "Okay, I, I, what do you think about this one?" <laughs> yeah, no, for, for real, for real. You know, I couldn't keep a straight face either, but I was better than my bunkmate, and he would go right to my bunkmate and then to me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and he'd start to get my bunkmate to crack, and then he'd come to me. He was at, I mean, obviously, because, you know, we're about to graduate. There's only two, three weeks left of, of boot camp. They start treating you a little bit better. Yeah, not much. <laughs> yeah. In fact, he even bailed me out when I was getting in trouble from another DI. I went down, I was like, this guy's great. Because I think, <laughs> again, he just would come up and he would do his shtick. And it was the funniest thing. It was like he was practicing <laughs> on us for some reason. But anyways, speaking of sergeants, mm-hmm. I actually went and watched the uh, the 1945 Diary of a Sergeant on YouTube, which is part of the U.S. National Archives, which features uh, Harold Russell, Homer here. Oh, really? Yeah, basically, you know, he's not narrating it because, you know, the, whoever's narrating it has that typical 40s Boston narrator. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Hollywood yeah. narrator voice instead of a Boston accent. Like, forget hey, about it. and dolls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and really, it's, it's, it's the story of him. They talk about, you know, losing his hands, not in combat, but in, in North Carolina. And he says how, mm-hmm. you know, all these other guys at least got their purple hearts and stuff. He's like, I don't get any of that, you know, because he just had, he had an accident on base stateside, not in combat. He's like, I don't get any overseas ribbons and all that. But it's neither here nor there. What, what I really like about it is it really demonstrates how he learns about these hooks, how he puts forward you know, forth the effort and, and he really sets a goal for himself to master these hooks. And it, and it kind of describes how they, you know, made it for him and how they operate and, and then just how his life is a little bit post, hmm. uh, post, you know, mastering these hooks a little bit. So, you know, I, I went and watched it and, and it's really relevant to these few minutes. I actually kind of wish I'd watched it before we watched the, uh, you know, recorded the other episodes because now we see him without his hooks. Yeah. Previously, I think I commented, I, was, I can't remember how it worked, you know, how it operated. Just give a quick rundown of Diary of a Sergeant. You know, he's he's basically in bed, uh, just and he even describes his having his hands hung up like on wire, like like a like a slab of meat at a deli. Huh. You know, basically he's just bummed out and he's he'll never write again, blah blah blah. The the army brings in a a, a movie, and it's also another army produced movie similar to you know, Diary of a Sergeant, but it's called Meet McGonagall. And it's all about a guy with hook hands. Yeah. And he's in this, you know, similar situation as Harold Russell here. And that basically seeing this movie gives him both a goal and inspiration to, you know, I'm going to, not only am I going to be as good as this guy operating these hooks that he watched, he's like, I'm going to do it quicker than him. Oh, wow. Yeah. It shows him starting to take his physical therapy a little bit more serious. Like, you know, he has to do calisthenics and he's try- he starts playing ping pong. Like they, they give him a, uh, an attachment. Yeah. Like they, they paddle hands. Well, kind of, yeah. Basically they, they put like a, a strap around and he was able to write, he's like real bad, but he could, he could type just by pecking and, mm-hmm. and for limbering up, they put a ping pong on in any, any two hands. He's playing ping pong. He's like, ah, I was the best one in the ward there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and then, it, you know, then it just kind of goes through his, I mean, it's very, you know, propaganda kind of film, but it, the doctor sees his stubs and say, all right, you're ready to be fitted. So they show how he gets, um, a plaster, a cast for his, uh, for the forearm part kind of explains that it, it has to fit just right. Like it's gotta be snug, but it's gotta be the right length. It's gotta be strong enough to carry a trunk, but sensitive enough to thread a needle is how he words it. You know, hmm. it's. And they call it buckets, you know, and they have to fit on his, on his nubs basically. Huh. And all right. So th- then this is where they explain, which again, I kind of wish I had mentioned last, last time when we actually had him on, but so the normal position of the hooks are closed, pinched together mm-hmm. and they're locked by strong plastic bands. And each hook is opened by a cord that is pulled by moving the opposite shoulder. So if he wants to open the left, he's got to wiggle his right shoulder. Oh, that's kind of awkward. Yeah, he said... Take the practice. Yep, exactly. He literally said, I had to practice over and over. And he's like, I'm not going to lie. It was slow, and it was dull, and it was hard. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it just was monotonous. But he was like, I don't want to have to think in my head every time I you know, want to do something. So he just had to practice over and over again. So it was almost like you know, muscle memory and second nature. Hmm. But one of the, he called, they called it the workshop uh, at the hospital, that is. They, they set up games that they could play. Mm-hmm. Uh, like... He had, he was playing chess or checkers with a nurse, but they were like differently, different weighted size pieces. And, and he said they, they literally just practiced dialing a phone or putting coins in the, um, like when you, like when you put in your bus fare in for the bus, like he was like, you know, how many times, you know, how many long distance numbers I called or how many, <laughs> you know, how many, how many bus trips I could have been on if I, you know, cause they just, he did it over and over and over again. And they had simple things just like opening a drawer. Or opening a doorknob, which comes into play at the end of this minute. He yeah. even shows him driving a car. He said, the more you practice, the quicker you get to go home, which is the goal of the hospital is to get these guys to a point where they can go home. So it shows him just over and over, just set, you know, it's like pull a drawer, pull a handle, do this, do that. It's pretty neat. Oh, yeah. And then, and then it literally, they, there's a whole thing about learning to hold a glass. And so he's like, he's like, well, normally I just do this with my thumb and this. And it shows him trying to hold, uh, he picks up a, a teacup. And then also what he, he literally specific, specifically mentions remembering having a glass of milk when he was a kid. And he thinks about the glass of milk when he picks it up and drinks the glass. And I'm like, oh, William Wyler had seen this. I'm like, I wonder if that was the whole reason for the milk scene previously. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he looked pretty dexter- uh, dexterous with those hooks, you know, porn and. You definitely tell him man's had some practice with those hooks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I so I was really, and, and, and again, it, it comes second nature on screen. You don't see him like pause and have to think about it. Like I would, you know, to this day, yeah. if I was still doing <laughs> it, but yeah, I, I was wondering, I was like, Oh, they're specifically mentioning milk. They're showing him drink a glass, you know, pull you know, pick up a glass and practice and all that. We talked about how it seemed like they were high, just highlighting without drawing too much attention to it, that he was, um, there, uh, he was there. That, that he could manipulate these hooks and, and operate that way. So uh, I thought it was interesting. And then I, it, but really that's, that's it. I mean, there's a whole other thing about where he goes back home and he like meets a woman on a train and then he goes on a date with her, but you know, and that, that's, that's really it. He's, and it talks about how he, he, he got these cheat sheet type things to help him button easier. <laughs> so <laughs> quicker that he saw from that McGonagall film and he got some for himself. So, I mean, I, I would highly recommend, especially anybody listening to this podcast and this movie, go check it out. It's like 20 minutes at most. It's it's pretty quick. Pretty fascinating. It's pretty fascinating. 
So you get a little in-depth, little history background of, of Harold Russell's injury and how he functions and, and how the prosthetics work. It's pretty neat. How did they how did they show those videos back in the day? Were it like those little news clips that they would have before movies, or was this like a specifically just for the uh, the folks that like say the Army National Hospital, anything like that? Did they specify? It seemed like it was one of those like you would go to the theater and see it before like those like public uh, relations thing with the army or whatever. Right. It just happened to be made by the army, but the way it was shown in the in the in this uh, documentary was the army nurses were like, oh, it's movie night. And they've had, they had like regular Hollywood movies and they would, a lot of these guys would be disinterested or downright get mad because they were like, well, I'll, we'll never get with a starlet now, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> and they said, one guy like threw his, threw something at the screen, yelled at the screen. And they said, but when they showed this, they said, no, this, this film might make some of you really interested. And they said, every single guy was interested you know, hmm. and, 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 and focused on the film diary of a sergeant is kind of propaganda. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's definitely from a different time, but I, I can believe that too. At the same time, you know, yeah. like, Hey, here's a guy that went through something like us. And now, you know, there's, there's technology that they can help make their life a little better. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they, they started showing some interest. So that's cool. Yeah. I recommend it's on YouTube. If I remember by the time this airs to share it in Butch's place, I'll do that, you know, the the link. But let's talk about this minute. It literally just starts with a, a brief stare down. They just kind of don't know what to say to each other. And I think she doesn't know what to say to him. And he's just kind of waiting to see what her reaction is going to be. And when she doesn't like flee seeing yeah. his nubs, I think he's like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to continue. Let's proceed. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yep. that's pretty much, yeah. Her, uh, her reaction was unchanged. She's like, okay, well eh, now I know more. Let me help you with that. <laughs> yeah, I think he expected her to 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 be disgusted, even you know. Yeah, he you know he he mentions that he can get in out of his PJs by wiggling. He can wiggle in and out, and that he's lucky to have his elbows because some of the other guys weren't so lucky. He's like, but he can't button his shirt. Yeah, it was something I caught. I specifically saw it right before we started recording when he goes to get his pajamas on. You could see at first he's struggling a minute. He has to kind of like circle it around to get yeah. it just in the right position. Kathy O'Donnell does a great job because she looks concerned. She wants to help him. Yeah. She kind of, she kind of reaches to help him just ever so slightly and then decides not to. Yeah. Let him. Yeah, exactly. Let him do it. He's, he's trying to demonstrate something. It's like her instinct just is to help him. And she realizes that he knows what he's doing. I, I thought it was a good little moment. But, you know, once he explains, I can't button my shirt, she's like, well, I'll do it for you. And the way, <laughs> I mean, the way it's shot, it's almost like foreplay. Yeah. He, the, the soft saxophone in the background. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because she's like staring at him. <laughs> they, you know, he's pretty stone faced, though, just like not sure. But she, she does like these awkward smiles. It's very funny. Like she doesn't like she's trying to show that she's like into it and like happy about doing this. You know, she's like lovey, but it, it comes off as a little like awkward, you know, yeah. <laughs> the looks that she's giving him basically is the type of looks I would expect if she was taking the shirt off. Yeah. She's putting, you know, <laughs> but yeah. she's putting it on, you know, so. yeah. so that, that 1946 kink <laughs> you put some clothes back on you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is practically best minutes after dark, you know, yeah. with uh, <laughs> uh, you know, with the way this this scene's starting to go for the '40s, man. 
surprised it wasn't rated X because there was a woman in his room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Un- unattended, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, unattended like, I mean, at night. <laughs> I'm going to say unsupervised. Right. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, after, after they, you know, she fixes his collar and gives him loving looks and he, <laughs> he's stone faced. He doesn't, he doesn't crack anything. He goes back to explaining, and this is why I also brought up Diary Sergeant, because I, I feel like this scene is also explaining to the audience, not just Wilma, how this all works. Yeah. I think I heard some people early on, some other podcasters for the best minutes, they said they had the same thought that like we did when we were first thinking about like, are those real? Mm. And and this there's no hiding it now. This is real. Yeah, it's very real. There's no special effects. This isn't a uh, you know a fake prosthetic to make it look like he's nope nope. This is the real deal. Yeah, and I think they saved it you know for for towards the end of the film to kind of be like, all right, we're gonna show you how it works. Yeah. This is the real human cost of uh, of war, yeah. and you know, and this is what can happen. Yep. So he explains. He goes back to explaining though that now he's at his most vulnerable because his hands are literally on the bed. Yeah. He can't even put them back on without help. He's like, I can't do anything. If the door blows shut, I'm stuck. Because literally, yeah, like he he can't open it, and that that's when it ends. I mean, it just ends when he's like, if the door sh- if the door blows shut, I'm done. Can't get out of the room. Right. That's what he said. He couldn't get out of the room. Then that's man, that's a that's a scary thing to because what I thought of at that point it was like, oh, if there's a fire. I mean, seriously, like, like if if the door was accidentally shut and then it's like, say, his parents, like his dad, like his dad was the one that was going to come in and help him if Wilma wasn't there, right? And apparently, mm-hmm. dad must have been doing this this whole time. Maybe right. occasionally his mom does, but you know, I was just thinking, like, you know, his dad's an old man, right? What if his dad's like having a heart attack? The door's blown shut. It's like the Superman thing all over again. I can't, you know, I can't do anything, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he couldn't. Well, I mean, not to be crude or anything, but it's not like he can dial nine one one. Because it didn't exist in 1946. <laughs> uh, uh, you and your logic. <laughs> <laughs> but even if, I mean, but if he had his hands, if he had his hands, he could have. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess he could have. I mean, they specifically show him typing, they show him writing, and they show, all he needs is a little, you know, peck, peck, peck. In fact, I think he makes a phone call in this movie. I, I can't recall, but I feel mm. like he was on the phone at Bush's place at one point. Yeah, okay. I might be misremembering because I hadn't rewatched the movie since we started recording again. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this, this is a pretty heavy minute. And, and I was going to say, like, I think last week and specifically now and in the, in the, in what comes these next few minutes, this is why Harold Russell won the Best Supporting Actor that year. Yeah, he's pretty, he's pretty good. He's very believable. I think he's fine in the rest of the movie, but I think it's this. Like, he's like, he just explains it. He's just like, this is it. I'm laying it all out there. It's a matter of fact. I think that's why, you know, I just, I think this is it right here. This has been discussed probably every episode up to now, but they, he actually won two, two Oscars the same year for the same role because the Academy wanted to give him one, but they're like, there's no way this amateur actor is ever going to win. So they gave him a special, like, (laughs) you know, Hey, here's a, here's a special award for you. And then he won best supporting actor outright. So (laughs) pretty neat. That being said, do you have anything for this minute? I do not. You know, since neither one of us have anything for this minute, let's just uh, remind everybody that this, if they haven't been listening to the show and just happen to discover it, the whole show can be found at, you know, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and the main site, bestminutes.com. We also have, or we, you know, I say Jim set it up. <laughs> we have Butch's Butch's Place, the best years of our lives, Listener Cafe on Facebook. The show can be found on Twitter at the best minutes. 
Well, Perry and I will be back next minute. We hope everybody joins us. But until then, it's time for us to go wiggle into our pajamas. (laughs) Hey, Joe, you better hurry up out there because she's taking off soon. Right, thanks. Come on, Taylor. 